0: There are two characters from The Lion King, known as Timon and Pumbaa. You remember them. Some of you do. Timon is this confident meerkat. Pumbaa is kind of his goofy sidekick warthog. And together, they're really quite a pair. There's lots of memorable moments in the movie with the two of them. But there's one moment that I especially love. The two of them are lying together on their backs in some African grassland, and they're staring up into this beautiful, starry night. And they have this little dialogue. Pumbaa, the sidekick warthog, asks, Hey, Timon, ever wonder what those sparkling dots are up there in the sky? Timon, in his very confident way, says, Pumbaa, I don't wonder. I know. Oh. What are they? Pumbaa asks. And so Timon tells them, they are fireflies. Fireflies that uh, got stuck up in that big blackish blue thing. Pumbaa, in his warthog way, is rather impressed with this bit of knowledge. Oh, gee, he said, I always thought they were balls of gas burning billions of miles away. Pumbaa, Timon says, for you, everything is gas. (laughs) And who is right in their little conversation? Timon, the confident leader, or Pumbaa, the confused sidekick? Who's right? And by the way, how do you know? Have you ever touched or handled those sparkly things? up in the big blackish blue thing? What if you're wrong about what they are? How do you know? How do you know what you know? It's a really important question, I think. It's especially important, I think, in our time when we're living in this society that doesn't share a a same set of common facts anymore. That's become increasingly true. But it's not a new question, it's actually one of the essential questions of faith. How do you know what you know? The wisdom of the saints and the scholars even over time have taught us that there are actually three different ways we know, mind, heart, and body, and you guys have heard me talk about that over the last several years. We have this amazing mind of ours, this intellect with its ability to reason and think, and God has given us that. It has this way of learning and knowing the mind is given to us. We know by our creator, right? It helps us to critique and to analyze and to imagine and to see what is true and maybe what we thought is not was once true is no longer true. And it's really important that we use that. It's important if we're at all concerned about living from truth rather than a lie, living from reality rather than what we thought was reality. God has given us this amazing ability to learn and study and grow and even change what we thought we knew, and God wants us to use that. But the intellect alone isn't all we've been given. And it's really important for us to remember that, too. We also have this beautiful physical body, and it has its own kind of ways of Knowing and insights, the body has these five senses that we learn about in grade school and we use from the time we are born, but some of the body's wisdom runs even deeper at the level of instincts. There are ways of knowing and wisdom that we share with our brothers and sisters in the animal world, and so Belden Lane, a scholar and a spiritual director, Belden says, the body can be an extremely reliable guide. What the mind has hardly fathomed, the body already knows. So, both mind and body, they have these different kinds of wisdom, but they are not the only two. There is also the place of emotion and the heart. And the heart, it's just as important as the mind and the body when it comes to knowing what we know. The heart, it's actually the very center of our identity. It's the place where we make connections with other people and it has its, other, its own kind of wisdom. So the heart knows things that the mind and the body cannot know. And so one of the early leaders of the church, this guy named Gregory the Great, he put it so well, he said, love itself is a kind of knowing. We know things in love. You see, the mind, the heart, and the body, they all have these different ways of knowing. And here's the thing about faith in churches. Most churches lean into one of these ways of knowing God and connecting with God and neglecting the others. And here at Dayspring, we've been trying over the last several years to work on all three. And we've said for a long, long time that we are committed to To the work of holding together the heart, the mind, and the heart in our journey of faith. It's where that second phrase of our mission statement comes from. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are what kind of people? Open in heart and mind. It's the kind of followers we are. Being open in heart and mind, it's the ethos of Dayspring. It's the spirit of this place. It's the kind of church we are. In fact, a lot of times somebody might ask you, well, what kind of church do you go to? And you might think to answer in terms of a denominational title, we go to a Baptist church or a Methodist church or a Catholic church. But I actually think even more qualifying for us is that we go to a church that is open in heart and mind. I think that's a deeper sense of our the kind of church we are. We're committed to listening with our hearts and minds together as we follow Jesus. But that is not a very easy thing to actually do, holding heart and mind together. So thankfully, we have some beautiful examples from early followers of Jesus in the Bible. Here, Some of the best stories I think about that experience of holding heart and mind together surround really the mystery of resurrection. These stories of Jesus' resurrection appearances are full of body, heart, and mind kinds of knowing where they're clashing and it's confusing and they're trying to make sense of what is happening. And certainly we heard some of that with Mary Magdalene's story just now, didn't we? Remember, Mary Magdalene, was one of the women disciples who stayed by Jesus' side at the crucifixion while he was dying. The Gospels tell us that Mary Magdalene and some of the other women, they did not run off when Jesus was actually crucified the way the men disciples did. She actually stayed and watched Jesus die. Unlike the male disciples, Mary Magdalene Saw with her own two eyes Jesus' death. She knew what was true. She saw his dead body come down from that cross. So in the garden, on that Easter morning, of course she cannot process what she is experiencing and who this is speaking to her. But when her name is spoken, The heart has this recognition moment. Remember I said the heart is that place of identity and connection. And when her name is spoken, her heart suddenly realizes who was talking to her, even though it made no sense to her mind. But Mary was open in heart and mind enough to encounter that mystery and to change. Mary, Jesus said to her, and she gasped. And then with all kinds of conviction and humility of her intellect of what she now knows, as well as courage and vulnerability, she goes off and tells the other disciples this seemingly impossible truth. I have seen the Lord. It's this beautiful story that I think is a guide for churches like us who are trying to be open in heart and mind enough to discover the surprising ways of God in our life and in our world. You see, for the mind to really be open, to say that we're open-minded, it requires a paradox of two very different things. It requires conviction and humility held together. The ability to both say, I've studied and I know and I've learned and I believe and trust this to be true, But I could be wrong because I also know I don't hold all that's true. And for the mind to be open, you really have to have both parts, not just one or the other. Conviction and humility, they have to be held together. And Mary kind of shows us that, doesn't she? But that's not all. The heart also requires a paradox of two very different things. It requires courage and vulnerability. The ability to both courageously love and vulnerably love others with the deepest part of ourselves. Again, both those things are needed. Courage and vulnerability together is what actually keeps the heart open and active. And here's the thing. It's really hard to navigate either one of those things. The mind by itself being open. The heart by itself. And so to be a church It's trying to hold both of those things together. That's really difficult, but it's what Dayspring has done for so long. It has long been the spirit of this church. And you know, Mary, she's not the only disciple that teaches us how to do that. There's a very different moment, but I think of it kind of as a parallel experience that happens at the very beginning of John's gospel. There's sort of these bookend moments, and that's the story we heard with Nathaniel. Now, here's the thing about Nathaniel. If nothing else, Nathaniel is honest. He's honest in his doubts. He's honest in his seeking. In fact, his very first recorded words in scripture are those of a skeptic. His friend Philip tells him they found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, and Nathaniel's immediate first response is, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nothing can come, good can come out of Nazareth, is, is what he's saying. And you can tell right away, faith is not going to be so easy for Nathaniel. Earlier, Andrew and Simon Peter and even Philip, they respond immediately to Jesus' invitation without any question. Jesus invites them to follow, they leave everything and they go. They don't ask any questions. But Nathaniel is a little different story. See, Nathaniel's going to have to work through his questions along the way, he's going to be honest about them. In fact, that's also the very first thing that Jesus says about Nathanael. When Jesus sees Nathanael, what he says is, there is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael is honest. He's true to himself. He's true to his questions. But the key to this story is to see that his honesty is not just a means of skepticism his honesty is also a means toward faith. I think Nathaniel's really this beautiful picture of conviction and humility held together. Because here's the thing. I don't think there's anything particularly impressive about a skeptic who's decidedly skeptical. Who's closed and mistrusting. There's not really anything all that impressive or special about always questioning everything without any willingness to have a conviction yourself. It's a lot easier to critique what other people say than to say anything constructive yourself. So it's easy to dismiss faith or other ways of believing But it's a lot harder to keep wrestling with the questions long enough to live into a deeper kinds of truth. I I just think that's so important to remember. That it's so much easier to critique what other people say and what other people believe than to find a way to articulate your own faith and belief. That's just so hard when you're trying to be really honest. That's why I don't always trust people who are only skeptical and never constructive. Critiquing is easy. Believing is harder. Part of what I love about Nathaniel is that he does both. He's more than just a skeptic. He's honest enough to say what he believes, but also honest and humble enough to follow Philip's invitation to come and see what maybe he has not known. Now, even when he encounters Jesus, he still has questions. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it suddenly becomes easy, and that's important to note because our journeys are often like that. Nathaniel, he's still working things out. Jesus makes this statement about Nathaniel being honest, and Nathaniel says, well, how do you know me? Which I think is is really sort of this, like, you don't know me (laughs) kind of moment. We just met. You can't possibly know me. You don't know who I am. You don't know what road I have walked, please don't just say things about me. How do you know me? And Jesus' response is really quite simple here. I saw you. While you were under the fig tree, before you were called to me, I saw. Remember in the Gospel of John, language about sight and blindness, light and dark, it's always dripping with the deepest kind of meaning in in John's Gospel. Jesus is saying to Nathanael, before you came to me, before you heard me, I have always seen you and know you. I know you in the depths of who you are. It's very similar to that moment at the end of the Gospel where Jesus speaks Mary's name in the garden. Jesus is saying to Nathanael, I know you. Now, Nathaniel, he has his questions. But in that moment, something deep, I think, gets stirred in him by Jesus' words. His mind and his heart, it starts to get pulled open as he's encountering and wrestling with this truth. And, And so he gets willing to step past his skepticism into faith. You must be the Son of God. You must be the king of Israel. See, both these stories, both these disciples, Mary Magdalene and Nathan, or Nathaniel, I think they are kind of like icons for Day Spring. They're pictures of the ethos we have here. And here's what I really wanna invite you to remember. It is hard And it takes ongoing work to hold together both conviction rooted in study and humility, not just one or the other. And it is hard and it takes ongoing work to stay open-hearted, to courageously love and be vulnerable at the very same time. But that has long been the spirit of Dayspring. It's something that was cultivated before I came. It was already in our mission statement, and we've continued to cultivate it. And I think it's one of the great gifts that this church uniquely offers the world around us. We are a church that's committed to being open and honest with God. We're a church that's committed to engaging our minds and our hearts as we follow Jesus because I think we're hungry to know what is more real than just what those who follow their emotions would say. And I think we're hungry to know what is more real than just what the closed-off skeptic would say. How do we know what we know in this church? We're followers of Jesus, working hard to have open hearts and minds and Sure, that means that we don't always think exactly the same. And yes, it makes us a diverse place. And No, we don't force a single mold of faith here. But, but that ethos of being open in heart and mind, it is the spirit and the life and the character of Dayspring that has given life to so many of us and has, in moments helped us to reach out and touch the stars.